alone. Bring it back. Welcome to the Endurance Town USA Project. This podcast, along with our blogs, vlogs, and adventure team, travel around the USA both creating and sharing the stories of human beings, changing lives, and communities through endurance sports and outdoor adventure. Follow us by subscribing today to reconnect and rediscover your own why as we explore the people and the places that make the endurance lifestyle where we call home. This is Endurance Town USA. Bring it back. Hey guys, welcome to Endurance Town USA podcast. Today I'm here with my friend Rachel Wakely. Hi. Hi. And we're going to talk about emotional fitness once again. In particular, this is part of a three part series on making peace with. And today our theme is making peace with exercise. Yeah. Rachel is the owner of Bold and she's a women's fitness coach here in San Luis Obispo. Uh, we became friends a couple years ago mm -hmm. in the gym and I've had the pleasure of working with Rachel um, as one of my strength coaches. And I love what you're doing with your life now and I wanted to interview you and learn a little bit more. Thank you. So let's get started. Let's first tell everybody a little bit about who are you? Where did you grow up and kind of what your life was looking like up until this point? I'm Rachel. I am from San Jose. Okay. Lived there my whole life and moved here to slow um, for college and haven't moved yet. Um, <laughs> what were you studying in college? Kinesiology. So okay. I actually started as a journalism major Okay. and a year in decided it was boring and switched to kinesiology. Okay. Um, what was life like in San Jose before you got here? Um, I miss San Jose. Do you? I miss the culture and mm -hmm. just seeing different faces and yeah, I miss that a lot. And I miss mm -hmm. like kind of the hustle and bustle. Mm -hmm. Um, I went to private school my whole life though. So I'm oh, very okay. grateful for that experience. But, um, was it a religious private school? Or? Yeah. So Catholic school from kindergarten through senior year of high school. Wow. So, yeah. Okay. That's there, your whole there life. There are a lot of struggles, a lot of struggles with that. And then it comes, that comes with a lot of like wealth and privilege with the kids I went to school with. So that was always a little challenging. Mm. Um, so, but yeah, I miss San Jose a lot. Mm -hmm. and, and family life, uh, going to Catholic school and what was your family life I was, experience? I'm the daughter of a single parent. My mom's okay. amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and she's also the daughter of a single parent. Okay. So strong women run mm -hmm. in the family. Um, <laughs> my grandma's Mexican. Um, so my mom's half Mexican and I never met my father, but he's black. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. And then you were growing up going to Catholic school single mom so what was your like routine like were was she working and you were having yeah. to basically kind of get home on your own or yeah when I was younger it was my grandma that drove me oh, your grandma okay to and from and then once I was able to take myself places mm -hmm. I would yeah my mom would leave really early I would leave for walk to school by myself mm -hmm. walk back home by myself my mom would get home a little bit later mm -hmm. um, and then once she got home we'd go straight to whatever practice had that day well and that was going to be my next question was sports and fitness part of your life growing up okay. yeah so like I think every little kid starts playing soccer mm -hmm. so I played soccer and then basketball. they didn't when I was growing up <laughs> after title nine it became a thing yeah there was more of those sports available but yeah so you played soccer okay. so I ran the gamut with sports and then settled on volleyball okay played that pretty competitively um for a little kid and then I quit and I kind of just didn't want to do anything um you were burned out but, already <laughs> yeah with the kind of with the pressure of my mom i got into crossfit when i was 14. when you were 14? yeah mom was doing crossfit? no she was not okay 
but I think my mom kind of um, projected a little bit of her insecurities about my weight on to me. So yeah, I got into CrossFit at 14 and ended up falling in love with it. Were you and, struggling with your weight at that age? or? Um, I don't think mentally I was. Mm -hmm. Maybe, I think there's an association that weight has some correlation with health and it can, but not all the time. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't think like emotionally I was yet, mm -hmm. but that always comes later. Mm -hmm. so. Well, in 14 to be encouraged to do CrossFit, that's already pretty bold. Mm -hmm. So did, was that something that spoke to you or you said, I'll try it, but this looks awful. I mean, what was your conception? Yeah, I was 14? not into it at you first. You were not into it? No. Okay. I like distinctly remember my first workout, the girl sitting next to me, like was, she was a lot older than me. It was like, and had to encourage me and I just did not like it. Mm -hmm. But at some point something switched and I just mm -hmm. kind of fell in love with it. Mm -hmm. And it brought me on this journey of loving strength sports and, yeah, being able to express myself with a barbell. But you were a female in high school doing a strength, a strength sport and CrossFit. That's, that's pretty wild. So were your peers doing this at all or were they doing the traditional sports and you were going after school, for example, to do like CrossFit workouts? Or Yeah, I think okay. I went to a high school that's very famous for making like famous uh, athletes, like a oh. girl... I was a, a senior, she was a sophomore, went to the Olympics oh, wow. while we were in school. Wow. Yeah, another okay. kid who's a year older than me is in the NBA right now, like okay. crazy. But so the yeah. school was super sports dialed. Yeah, everyone okay. was playing traditional sports, but since I didn't have that, mm. I had CrossFit. But I never felt, I think because I was around other girls that were strong and played soccer or water polo or whatever, I mm -hmm. didn't feel like that. Like, I stood out that much because mm -hmm. I did CrossFit. It was definitely, CrossFit was not a thing like it is now. Yeah. Then. It's just getting going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because now CrossFit's kind of on its way out. But <laughs> it's definitely in transition. <laughs> That's right another now. conversation. <laughs> That's um, what, yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel like I stood out. I just stood out because nobody really knew what CrossFit was yet. So, what was your peer life like? What were your friendships like at that age in high school? And, so did you hang out with a bunch of jocks? Was it part of your lifestyle or were you kind of a lone ranger? I kind of moved through groups. My mm -hmm. school was very clicky, probably like any high school. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm just not that kind of person. Mm -hmm. So I'd kind of be in this group and kind of be in that group. And mm -hmm. I just jumped. Okay. So some of my friends were really athletic. Some of them, some of them like really liked to sing and dance and oh, stuff cool. like that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I had multiple groups. So, and I also have a horse. Toots, that's a big part of my identity. When did that start? It was, it was little, like probably like fifth grade. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So that's a big part of my identity too. I have all oh, these yeah. friends from the barn, like my barn friends. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. So some of your time you'd spend at the barn, sometimes doing CrossFit, the rest of the time hopefully doing some schoolwork or, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, what I was learned, required. Learned how to overwork real soon. Yeah. I mean, for a high school age, that's a pretty motivated individual. Yeah. You know? Interesting. And the horse component came through your mom or your own personal interest? That, that was my own interest. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. And you still have your horse? I still do. She lives here. What's her name? Her name's Luna. Luna. She's 11. Uh-huh. Had her since she was born. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Okay. Awesome. So horseback riding just for fun, or were you competing in that I as well? I was competing. Wow. Um, okay. That cost a pretty penny, though, so that didn't mm -hmm. last long. Mm -hmm. But I did compete for a while. 
How did that feel compared to doing CrossFit? That's so radically different. I know it is radically different. I feel like they definitely clashed. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like they definitely clashed. Like my horse trainer thought that I was like trying to hurt myself and all this stuff. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. horseback riding and showing is so aesthetic. Like you have to, the horse has to look good. You have to look good mm. to put on makeup when you're like 12, mm -hmm. you which is hair. not what I want to do. Yeah, you're you very into the, the hair. hair back yeah. and mm -hmm. wear the bright, shiny clothes. Mm -hmm. It's different. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so you were kind of living in a, a few different worlds in terms of, and, and at that age, and even prior to that, obviously, but junior high to high school, like there's so much formation around your identity. You know, who am I as a human being? Who, who am I in the world if I, you know, relate to certain sports or certain um, groups of friends or, you know, parents or heritage or whatever, like all of those things are sort of at the forefront of developing you as an individual as you're separating and trying all these new things and experimenting. Can you think of any sort of transitional points for you at that age where you really felt like moving towards strength training and fitness was the right choice for you? I think this ties into like some mental health stuff, but mm. I have throughout my life struggled with depression and I had okay. a really hard time in high school. So I saw a therapist, so I was getting like the mental help that I needed, but I think a big part of that is we need to be able to express what we're feeling with our body. And I didn't have mm. that connection then, but I was able to do that with the gym. Like when I didn't feel like anybody was looking out for me, I could go in the gym and really express myself and my body and what was I, I was feeling. And I had that little culture too, all those people that That's true. connected that with me. Yeah, mm -hmm. I had that community, um, which really, I think, got me through high school. Oh, that's phenomenal. Yeah. So were there maybe some individuals that were mentoring you or was it just being in that sort of tribal community where you really felt safe, protected, yeah. but able to go in there and be really powerful and strong and express yourself through the movement? Yeah, it was just, it wasn't like, they weren't specifically mentoring me, but it was like mm -hmm. this group of people that liked to do hard things with me and that got helped me get through those hard things. Mm -hmm. And it was like on a Friday night when everybody else is like drinking and that's like not really what I want to do. And I just don't feel like I really fit in any group. Mm -hmm. I can spend my Friday nights with these people and like just feel cared for and connected. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's through high school. Mm -hmm. So what made you decide to go to Cal Poly? That was kind of a fluke. My, I always mm -hmm. wanted to go to University of Oregon. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to leave California. I wanted a new experience. But um, um, a lot of my friends went to Cal Poly, and I was like, oh, Cal Poly. And I came here. I loved San Luis Obispo. Mm -hmm. I liked Cal Poly's Learn by Doing philosophy. So I was like, you know what? I'll just apply. We'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. And then I had some random class change, and I had to commit to Cal Poly for them to tell me if I was accepted or not. Oh, interesting. So I was like, well, we'll just let fate decide. And fate decided I would come here. And what did you study? Kinesiology. Okay, awesome. Well, awesome. journalism at first, then kinesiology. Uh -huh. Oh, you switched or yeah. you were doubling up? Okay. Yeah. Is that because you felt like you'd have a life in fitness and that career path? Or was it just such a big part of who you are and were at that time? It seemed like the right decision. Yeah, I had, I had no idea that this is where I'd be. <laughs> I wanted to be a 
sports journalist or something like that. Oh. And journalism was just boring. Uh, I didn't like it. So I switched to kinesiology just for the interest. And because I knew I'd at least it'd be it'd be hard, but at least I'd be interested in what I was learning. Mm-hmm. Had no idea what I would do at the end of it. I thought I'd become like a doctor, a physical therapist, something like that. Um, yeah, but things got me this way. Mm-hmm. So you moved to slow. Were you still doing CrossFit? I was. Okay. Winter. Were you competing or were you doing it just for recreational? I was competing. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Yeah, I went to CrossFit Inferno in San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. and, which is a very competitive atmosphere, which I liked. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would do like local competitions, but I feel like the peak of my CrossFit career is when I got as an alternate on their regionals team, nice. which was pretty exciting for me at the time. Mm-hmm. For anyone. Yeah. <laughs> For anyone, that's yeah. that's a hard uh, task to complete to get that far. But you were still loving the sport, or how was it going as you transitioned into being a college age person and a lot of lifestyles, you know, a lifestyle change coming with that and more pressure of school? And how were you relating to your body at that point? I think it was kind of 50 50. In mm-hmm. high school, it was really, I had, I mean, I still struggled with my body image, but it was. It was more like I'm doing CrossFit because this is so fun. Like I'm deadlifting all this weight. I can do a bar muscle up. This is so cool. Like look at what my body can do. In college, I think I got so competitive and my body image started to get so much more misconstrued Mm. that it became this relationship with like if I do this tough workout, then I can eat this much food. Um. So it became like a reward system. It was still exciting to be able, I had wanted to do a ring muscle up for like six years and I finally did it. So that was exciting and cool, but Mm -hmm. um, I was exhausted because doing that high intensity of workouts and having a horse and a boyfriend and um, school, school, Mm -hmm. it's just, it's exhausting. So yeah, I've never been so tired in my life. I would wake up tired, go to bed tired. Was Was this the beginning of a different relationship with food than you'd ever experienced with this kind of intensity and trying to manage your energy and your mindset and then the food dynamic related to exercise? Yeah, I think it opened it up. I think at the time I was very obsessive. I counted macros. So I think macros are a great tool, but for me, it became this obsession of like down to the gram. I can only have Mm-hmm. this much and if I go over on my macros I'm not good enough and all that stuff but it became I was so tired I wanted to know why am I so tired like this people don't feel this way normally mm-hmm. I knew something was wrong with me so it became this issue this process of trying to figure out what what's going on with me how can I fix this and I was also having this back pain so how do I fix this back pain and feel like a normal human mm-hmm. um, and I think that brought me to where I am now, where I have, I use fitness as a tool for myself to feel good, um, not as a tool to eat something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I have a cookie that Yeah, day. but I guarantee that journey didn't happen overnight. Yeah. And it's super common, I mean, being in the health and fitness realm for all these years too, to, we all come throughout life with our own experiences and how we relate to our bodies and then to food and then to exercise and things around trying to get clear with our body image or get an understanding for how our body functions 
you know, sometimes it's more performance based. Sometimes it's more based on how we look um, and how we feel. And I know that you and I both feel strongly that it's really how you feel in your own skin and owning your individuality and what's best for your health mentally, physically, emotionally, spiritually, all of those aspects. But at what point did you see that maybe exercise or food or both were not working for you, that there was something there that wasn't healthy? Well, I had this back injury I told you about, and I kind of was forced to take a step back. It just got mm-hmm. so bad. I was like, I can't, I can't train at the level that I'm training anymore. Okay. And like, I couldn't even sit through class. Like I would have to take bathroom breaks just so I could stand up and like, wow. so my back could take a sec. Had you hurt yourself through doing... It wasn't like one moment that okay. I hurt myself. It was just like, oh, my back can hurt. And then a few months later, my back really hurts. And a few months later, oh, my back's like excruciating. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so I took, I was forced to take a step back. And then I was started to feel better. Mm. And I started to... I kind of let go of the macros and just kind of started to eat how I felt like eating. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I feel a lot better. Mm. I was like, maybe this is why. And I also graduated. Mm -hmm. So that helped not having that stress. stress. But it was like, this is what people feel like. Mm -hmm. So, because I had been asking for thyroid medication for my doctor for years. Okay. I swore I had a thyroid issue. But I was like, I don't have a thyroid issue. It's just, Mm -hmm. I was going too hard. Mm -hmm. And that, of course, affects your hormones. Mm -hmm. And instability around all of that and trying to perform. And then of course that all affects your brain function. And so all of those things combined together. Yeah. So when you took a step back and you gave yourself room to breathe from being so active, you, and just intuitive eating, basically you felt there was a big difference in your energy level. Yeah. Huge difference. Okay. I stopped punishing myself. Ah, so what was the punishing aspect, the food or the exercise or both? Both. Mm-hmm. I've okay. always punished myself with food, but I've gone through waves with exercise. But in that moment mm-hmm. was one of the only times I've ever really punished, or not moment, but that period of time was one of the only times I've ever punished myself with exercise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So let's dig into the exercise piece and try and gain a better understanding for not just you and your experience, but for all of us kind of collectively, since now you've chosen to do this with your life is help other women through the process of really, like we said, coming to peace with exercise, but finding a place with exercise being part of your life and lifestyle in a healthy way. So at what point, that was a turning point for sure, when you dial back your exercise and you got your energy back and you started to feel differently about food. At what point did you feel differently about exercise? Because you went from being a really like highly motivated, competitive athlete and then what happened with this back injury when you dial back psychologically around your your relationship to exercise? I think I went, I started to learn more about, just do it more for myself. Like mm-hmm. I like lifting weights, mm-hmm. so that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And sometimes running sounds good, so that's what I'm going to do. And I'm going to fit, I'm still going to challenge myself and do things that are scary and hard for me. Okay. And I like the feeling at the end of that, but it's like, I'm not doing it because I want to eat a certain amount or because I'm super competitive. So mm-hmm. I'm not doing it because Savannah did 205. <laughs> so I have to do 205 and yeah. she did it in this time. So I have to beat it. Ah, it's like no more of that. So a big Just, shift was taking the competitive element off the table. Yeah. And if you were going to be competitive, it was going to be you against you. 
you setting a goal or a bar for yourself and then seeing if you can achieve that. Yeah, exactly. It's an internal motivation instead of external. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Intrinsic versus uh, extrinsic motivation. Yeah. yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah. Okay, so how were you able to make that shift? Because for a lot of us, that's super, super challenging. We're raised in environments, especially now, I love that sports are available for all people and all ages and you know they're starting younger and more and more girls are getting involved in sports and such but I do still see a lot of old coaching methodologies out there I was talking with uh, somebody yesterday who used to coach and was coached as a competitive runner for most of their life Um, and it was a male actually and he ended up with an eating disorder and lots of injuries and he's now coaching youth cross country and track and he's struggling a little bit. So we were having some really interesting conversations about um, him making peace with his own experience yeah. and not taking it into the coaching environment. You know, old school coaching is still around and a lot of us were raised with those mindsets of more is better, harder is better. And, yeah. you know, um, the whole suffering mentality, CrossFit sort of created that. I would say also like some of the Spartan races or some of that kind of off-road, you know, rough and rugged stuff. The mindset around embracing suffering and building grit, like I'm all about being strong and emotionally fit and so are you, but we do know that there's a slippery slope there. There is. Yeah. So what's the difference for you and how have you found it? I think it comes with intention. Like I don't wake up every morning wanting to work out. Some days I do, but not every day. And so today, for example, I don't really want to work out, but I'm going to because I like how I feel afterward. Mm-hmm. Those endorphins are amazing. I feel accomplished. Mm-hmm. I feel like I overcame something. And I know that long term, my body will thank me for it because it will move better. It will have better flexibility. Mm. My brain will feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it doesn't come from a place of, I've just let go of wanting to restrict and punish. I've moved into a place of like wanting to celebrate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about that celebration piece a little bit. I know that's a powerful part of your coaching methodologies. And part of your own transition into being a coach is when you and the coach that you want to be and that you are becoming now is really about I needed to learn to celebrate my own body and what it was capable of and my own strengths and my own desires within in terms of fitness and my relationship to food and other people. So when you say celebrating your accomplishment, you don't actually mean a goal. You mean celebrating the daily work Mm -hmm. of building you, right? Exactly. 100%. Because we, well, when I first started coaching, I was I was a terrible coach at first. I <laughs> but I saw a lot of these people coming through that I were coach that I was coaching that they're only in there to lose weight, which is what yeah. most people are in the gym are for are in there for. And mm-hmm. I it I just kind of had this realization like it's always been fitness has always been or exercise has always been a place where I can leave feeling accomplished and good. Even though I did something terrible that I might have thought was impossible, mm. I did it. Mm-hmm. And I can leave there feeling good about my effort and what I, the fact that I even showed up. Mm-hmm. And these people are just in there punishing themselves. I had this woman once deadlift 200 pounds, and she's an older woman. That's huge. Amazing. Yeah, but she, it was right after the holidays, and she was so upset 
she gained a few pounds over Thanksgiving. And it's like, she couldn't, she wasn't even happy about the PR. Wow. And I was like, you have spent your whole life never celebrating yourself. Wow. Like you don't know how to. Um, all so you know she deadlifted is... 200 pounds. Yeah. And she, on her mind, was the five pounds she gained over the holidays. Or exactly. Whatever. And okay. I was like, write that down on the board. Like, I yeah. tried. I yeah. was like, you you only know how to beat yourself up. You've yeah. never learned yeah. how to celebrate yourself. So I was like, what if we can shift the mindset mm -hmm. from I'm in here because I want, or even performance goals. Like my lifetime goal is to deadlift 400 pounds. Mm -hmm. And every day that I don't do that is a disappointment. Mm. It's like I'm in here because deadlifting makes me feel really strong. Right. And because it makes my glutes stronger, whatever. Mm -hmm. When you leave at the end of that day, you haven't deadlifted 400 pounds yet, <laughs> but you did something on the way to that and you feel awesome after. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it is interesting how a lot of us are coached and you know there's just like thousands of philosophies around coaching and coaching mindset and um, coaching programs in terms of the actual sports science and things of that nature, which is always evolving also, by the way. Um, and there's no right and wrong ever. There's no one way ever. And so if you experience a coach that has that my way is the right way. That's generally an opportunity to leave because that probably will not be a good fit for you because we're all individuals. 100%. And also our goals change. Yes. Like over the course of my life, you know, for the first 30 years, I didn't really do fitness. I wasn't really exposed to a healthy lifestyle. So the last 20, I've tried everything and all things. So I've had a lot of different goals and a lot of experiences and some of them good and bad, <laughs> but willing to try a lot of things. And depending on what's going on in my life and in my body, my goals need to adapt. Mm -hmm. And the times that I struggled the most, both physically and mentally, emotionally, was when I wasn't willing to adapt my goals based on what my body was telling me or what was happening in my life or what yeah. was happening, you know, in my circumstances. And those are just, you know, the, the deep holes, yeah, the rabbit holes that create depression and anxiety and physical injuries and stuff like that. Yeah, that's part of the issue. I don't hate goals, but mm -hmm. that's part of the issue when you're so wrapped up in them. Mm -hmm. So like a weight loss goal or a performance goal, whatever it is, yeah. is it takes you out of the present. It mm. takes me to the future when I find, for me, it's always weight loss. Okay. When I finally weigh this much or look like this, then I will be happy. But it's like, then what's, what's the process? You're miserable until that happens, if it happens. Right. It probably, it's, it's going to change. It's, we're going to have a fork in the road. Mm -hmm. So why can't we focus, like life's happening right now. Let's be here. Yeah. And be in the moment and enjoy the process. So for me, it's enjoying the process of the movement mm -hmm. and what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And if it is a weight loss goal, having a good coach who works with you to understand a is that a reasonable goal and what's the the intention behind that goal so is that that you went into the doctor's office and they did your bmi what right these things happen every day to thousands and thousands of people right they get judged by a perfect stranger in a doctor's office maybe they went in there for something completely unrelated or whatever the dynamic is and they're told number one the doctor says hey you need to lose weight. They don't, you know, how are you feeling? How's your mindset? Are you, what are, what are the things you're doing? What's your lifestyle? It's more, oh, I see an issue. I consider you or deem you overweight. Mm -hmm. You need to take care of that. 
So there's immediately this judgment from a perfect stranger, which is completely unacceptable to me, but also we all do it every day to our peers yeah. or to our family members or to people that we really love unconditionally that are a huge part of our lives, but we cast those judgments. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? And how can we stop doing that to one another in our circles of influence in the gym or wherever? I think, I think that judgment comes from an insecurity within ourselves. Mm. I'm noticing the less judgmental I am toward myself, far less judgmental Good toward call. other people. So it's learning to accept the imperfections within myself. Mm -hmm. Like not even accepting the imperfections, but just accepting myself. Even if uh, I have that deep voice that not everyone that's not the ideal female voice and your bold voice have, that we exactly just about. the bold voice yes. and a bold body yeah even though my body may not look like what is ideal on fitness magazine yeah no? that's what makes me that's what makes rachel rachel yeah, yeah. so mm -hmm. yeah and if the more i can learn to accept that the more i can learn to accept other people that don't fit this ideal Yes, exactly. It's so fascinating how many people, um, you know, and I definitely have done this. I'm sure you've had these experiences where we love other people unconditionally and we really want as part of our value system to be non-judgmental ju non and to create environments with our peers, whether we're coaching um, or hanging out or whatever our relationship is, where we really love that person for every aspect of them. But then we don't do that with ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's the other side of the coin, right? Is if we are treating other people the way we should be treated or not, you know? And would we say those things that we're either saying to ourselves in the mirror, would we say that to somebody that we love? Yeah, 100%. And I think as leaders, we need to, I'm not saying we need to share a whole story, but we need to not be afraid to show all parts of ourselves, not just the parts that are shiny and perfect. Yeah. And because, we need to own our story. Yeah, we need to own it because mm -hmm. I relate most to leaders or people that I look up to that show all parts of themselves because I'm like, oh, you're real and I, you struggle with this too and so do I mm -hmm. and so do my clients. My clients appreciate when I'm not afraid to tell them like, yeah, this is hard for me too. Mm -hmm. I'm working through it too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I still haven't tackled that demon or whatever it is and mm -hmm. being able to have the hard conversations yeah you got to own up you got to own up to it. I'm not afraid to talk about what I'm good at but I'm also not afraid to admit like I don't I'm not good at this mm -hmm. I need to work on it mm -hmm. and yeah we can talk about it together work through it together exactly and the reality that not every day are we going to go into the gym and crush it so just because we're coaches and I used to be a fitness coach for years, just because we take on those roles doesn't mean A, that we have all the answers um, or B, that our way is the right way. We're here on the journey with our clients or with our peer group. You know, we're here on the same journey with them. Mm -hmm. We might have more knowledge and education. We might be in a position to be of service and if that's our calling, but it doesn't mean that, you know, we're these perfect beings that have figured everything out. Yeah. Everything's going to change tomorrow. We don't know how we feel tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, we're so, works in progress. I'm so I'm really tired of like fitness professionals, any professional that tries to deem that their way is the yeah. highway. Yeah. I used to feel that way. Like I thought if you weren't doing CrossFit, you're like you're doing it wrong. Yeah. It's done. Like CrossFit is the best, and it's like 
flash forward 10 years, yeah. CrossFit is in a total transformation. And like, if I was still holding on to the fact that CrossFit is the best way mm -hmm. right now, like where would I, I would be so lost Yeah, because I would have nothing Yeah, because CrossFit is in this huge transformation mm -hmm. and I wouldn't know where I stand. I kind of see it as fitness gospel. Like, you know, back in the day when I was growing up, I'm 50, going to be 51 this year. Um, there was all these fads, like there was jazzercise and aerobics and like there was just all these fads around fitness that there still are. Like to me, when CrossFit came and I did experiment with it, I did it for a year. Um, it was another fad. And of course, there are pieces of it that are amazing, like some community aspects or some really solid stuff, right? But that's the case for all aspects of health and fitness. Mm -hmm. There are always good pieces based on my body right now, my needs, my mindset, what I look for in a community. I think that's undervalued a lot is that um, a fitness community can be a game changer for people. And I mm -hmm. want to talk about that. I know community is huge for you too. But I think those pieces of a fitness methodology um, are the takeaways. Yeah. Like if you go into a gym or you meet a coach, I've had tons of coaches over my 20 years now. I've also coached hundreds and hundreds of people. We're not always the right fit. It's not always the right time. And again, there isn't that one way. So to me, the reason or advantage of either having a coach or going into a fitness community um, where the real value is, is being able to explore yourself and then what's possible yeah. in learning new things. Oh, I never thought of it that way, or I never tried it that way, or hey, let's build a relationship and maybe somehow we can support each other's goals. Yeah. That's massive. What's yeah. community looking like for you in the fitness world right now? Right now? Oh. Right now, I think it's being around people that have a shared that have a shared identity and a shared interest. Um, I need to be around people that are, that kind of share my values. They need to be authentic, mm -hmm. not afraid to be vulnerable at times. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, equality is really important to me. Mm -hmm. um, and what I, do you mean when you say equality? Equality as a black woman, a mixed race woman, it's important to me that I see people, I see myself in the people I'm around. So I need to be able to see women in positions of leadership and I need to, them to be able to share their experience because the fitness industry, exercise industry is so male dominated and there's nothing yeah. wrong with that, but it's like women, your biggest target is women kind of. Well, so absolutely. Why are we yeah. not at the table? Yeah. Um, and same with people of color. It's like mm -hmm. people of color, black people are the most unhealthy people in America because of our socioeconomic status. So mm -hmm. we... Opportunity. Yeah, Lack we need to have a seat at the table because they're our target too. We want to make them healthier. Mm -hmm. So why are you not including them in the conversation? Yeah. I think that is a really, really solid point that needs to be elevated more and more is the reality that um, I come from the endurance sports and running industry professionally. And for years, I have witnessed that primarily the organizations were run by men or the industry leaders were male and in the spaces, the conversations were male oriented, whether it was coaching or otherwise. But then 60 or 65 percent of the audience or the participants were female. Mm -hmm. So it would fascinate me. And I got into a lot of really interesting conversations because I'm one of those bold females, you know. 
that wants to understand and create dialogue and create conversation around why would that be the case? Why would we not have the people that were trying to transform their lives or bring them into the sport or have them become healthier or bring this lifestyle to them that we feel is so incredibly valuable? Why would we not have them in the dialogue or more well represented? And I think we're slowly seeing a shift. I'm glad that it's in my lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> but that definitely was not the case five or 10 years ago. And it de when I got in the sports of triathlon and running 20 years ago, that was absolutely not the case. Yeah. I had a super, super niche. I had a, a women triathlon coach. I started in triathlon. And then I had a women's only triathlon team. And they like didn't exist. It was this completely radical concept that was created by Sally Edwards, who's an amazing uh, mentor of mine. And a really famous uh, endurance and Ironman athlete and all this stuff. But she was super radical for the time. Like it was outrageous what she was putting out in the world. And now we see that this is an opportunity like yeah. women's fitness and specifically girls and women's fitness programs that look different, that sound different, that feel different are what the world really needs now. Mm -hmm. And you're taking this on. That's what yeah. bold is, right? Exactly. Tell me what you're creating with bold. Um, bold is a space for women where they can learn to get stronger emotionally and mm. physically. So you see some women's gyms, but, um, a lot of times they're geared toward weight loss or they're the people in there aren't picking up big weights. And I have respect for that, but I like picking up big weights mm -hmm. and I think doing that creates this mental resolve. So I'm creating a space where women can get really strong, but where we can also think about the mental aspects and how that connects to real life. Because working out, a workout is like a, a real life situation and we can connect that. And when we get better at, present, at facing the challenges in our workout, we can apply that to real life and just be better humans. I want to exactly. build better humans. Exactly. That's why I think it's also important that we're working with young girls mm -hmm. and getting them a different experience, a different mindset or a way of um, connecting to their bodies as they're developing. And then what that looks like into young womanhood and then yeah. womanhood. I mean, I believe with every ounce of my being, and it's not just because I'm a woman, but it's just the reality of the situation is we're all born from a mother. So every human being has a mother, right? So most of us have grandmothers and we have aunts and we have sisters and we have wives and we have daughters. And the blessing of all of that female energy is that there's so much um, in the world that we're doing, the females are doing in terms of education mm -hmm. and influence. Like who's cooking the meals, who's buying the groceries, who's setting the schedule for the kids. Yep. Like your mom did you this amazing blessing by introducing you to strength at 14, which is yeah. pretty, you know, outside the box, to be yeah. honest. And I think even though I'm sure it came with some challenges, just how cool for her to believe in you in that way. Yeah. And be like, I want to give you this experience. Let's go check it out and expose you to something so radical like that. Yeah. And well, that we gym need was more. by women. It was owned by women? Yeah. A CrossFit gym owned by yeah. women? See, that's not very common either. I know. I don't think my mom did that on purpose, but I do. I was thinking about that. What if Ooh. What if that gym had been owned by men? Not. Uh -huh. I, I think it actually would have had a big impact. Because mm -hmm. seeing other strong women, women, other strong women teach me how to do 
these things that mm -hmm. I thought was crazy at the time. Yeah. And having them, I still think of the owner of that gym, it's called CrossFit Willow Glen, as a mentor. Mm -hmm. um, if I hadn't had Audra as a mentor, mm -hmm. like where would I be? I'm not sure I would have stuck with it. Yeah. Because she, that gym has the best sense of community and it's, it's just well, it's well run. It's clean. Mm -hmm. It has a good community. And I think having that mentor who just happened to be a woman who I saw in a strong light was just totally different. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a massive opportunity for us coaches and people that are in the industry of health, fitness, all of that, um, to take a role in working with the males, whether they're coaches or professionals in the sport, and helping them understand and really leverage a different way of coaching if they're open to it. I know a lot of them are. Like, we obviously love men. We have plenty of men in our lives, and we've had great male um, relationships in the sports world, too. But we want to also be here for what our value system is and what our purpose is. And if we're going to be part of that path, helping to create a space for women and girls, helping to create a space for all people to learn that there's maybe different ways of doing it so we can further impact the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So I want to hear from you what your dreams are with your business and what your goals might be at this time. I know we're in a big transition, yeah. but what's this looking like for you now? I think ultimate goal is definitely to own a physical gym. Yeah. Where I, the brick and mortar yeah, model. Where huh? I can coach people, other other women can coach women. Mm -hmm. um, and I want, I do think we're on, we're on a change with the fitness industry and, and with body image and just with women's fitness and fitness in general. I'm seeing it less as this like old archaic model of you do this, for the, with this goal in mind. Weight loss challenges. Yeah. With any, <laughs> like, it's just so goal oriented yeah, and it's yeah. shifting. I want to see a shift in moving your body for the sake of moving your body mm. and for those benefits, emotional mm -hmm. and physical. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I want to, if I ever choose to have children, if I have a daughter or a boy or anything in between, I want them to grow up in a world where they are comfortable with their identity and especially with their body. And if they choose to use movement, they yeah. can use movement to kind of express the things they're feeling mm -hmm. throughout mm -hmm. their life. Mm -hmm. Well, because we know the power of that tool, right? And so teaching that to other people is just a big part of the mission. Mm -hmm. Cool. So in closing thoughts, when I say making peace with exercise, what does that mean to you? Making peace with exercise is taking all the external motivators out of it. And it is looking within yourself at why am I doing this? Yeah, why am I doing this? And what is going to make me feel good? Why am I doing this? Not why do I feel the need to do this? Just looking within yourself at what you are looking for. And that just on that day. Moment by moment. Yeah. Hey, lady, this was great. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Woo! Thank you for connecting with us for this episode of the Endurance Town USA Project. 
Discover more about today's guest, along with other great stories and video projects by visiting us online at EnduranceTownUSA.com. You can also follow us for updates and behind-the-scenes peeks at future episodes on Instagram at EnduranceTownUSA. You can also connect with our creator, host, and life leadership and business coach, Samantha Pruitt, at SamanthaPruitt.com or on Instagram at TheSamanthaPruitt. And lastly, you can follow me, Travis Ford, producer and marketing creative at rockharbormarketing.com or Instagram at rockharbormarketing. Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you next time we go on an adventure to Endurancetown, USA. Bring it back.